Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. Before we begin today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to talk about dogs. Dogs have been an important part of Canadian history from the very beginning. The first dogs to arrive in Canada came from Siberia over 12,000 years ago. They were used for hunting, pulling sleds, and as companions for the indigenous people who made their way across the Bering Strait. In the 17th century, European settlers brought dogs with them as well. And like the indigenous people, they relied on their dogs for companionship, hunting, and protection. Dogs have been some of Canada's most beloved heroes. In 1909, a Labrador retriever named Polar Bear helped the explorer Robert Perry reach the North Pole. In 1916, Canadians were captivated by the story of Bruno, a sheepdog who was rescued from war-torn Europe and refused to eat after his person passed away. In 1941, a Newfoundland named Gander saved the lives of several Canadian soldiers during the Battle of Hong Kong. Over the centuries, dogs have served Canadians in an ever-expanding variety of ways. Today they work in law enforcement, detect cancer and COVID, help find missing children, and enable the blind to get around. But for most Canadians, dogs are much more than just working animals. Their loyalty, friendship, and unconditional love have made them part of our families, Countless dogs are beloved characters in Canadian art and film. Their stories have been told by such noteworthy authors as Farley Mowat, Lucy Maud Montgomery, and Stephen Leacock. They can make us laugh, they comfort us, they remind us of our better angels, of what our character could be. And perhaps that is why we love them so much. Which brings me to my puppy, Boris. Boris is a 10-year-old... Irish Setter, Newfoundland Cross, the same breed as Gander, actually. Recently, he began hacking up his food. His bark became raspy, and he's having trouble breathing deeply, so I took him to see the vet. Boris has the canine version of Lou Gehrig's disease. His spinal cord will slowly degenerate, and over the next one to three years, he'll progressively lose control of the muscles he uses to play, bark, eat, and breathe. There is no cure, and the cause remains unknown. But there is a way to slow it down. With the laryngeal paralysis, Boris needs surgery. Without it, his constricted larynx will get worse faster, and he may pass away in only a few months. The problem is the surgery costs $5,000, which is well beyond what I can afford. So I'm asking for your help. I've set up a GoFundMe to pay for the vet. If you'd like to contribute, just click the link for Boris Fundraiser in my show notes. And if you've donated already, thank you. If you've shared, thank you as well. 
Thank you for helping us get a few more precious years together, because it means the world to us both. And I want to say a very special thank you to Andrew. What I just read was written by him. He's a fantastic copywriter, and he was able to do this for me so that I could get the word out on my dog. So if you want to visit his website, go to sublimelime.ca, and that's two limes. That's sublimelime.ca. William Lyne Mackenzie King served longer than anyone else as Prime Minister of Canada, over 21 years in various stretches from 1921 to 1948. He was one of Canada's most influential individuals and will lay the groundwork for Canada becoming a middle power and welfare state. One thing many people know about him, of course, was that he had an interest in the occult. In this episode, I'm going to look at that interest, how it developed, and how he used it through his life. Throughout his life, King never married and did not have any close family ties after the death of his mother. He was not particularly close with people, and he often kept himself at arm's length from his colleagues. There are many reasons for this, likely the demands for his time and people always needing something from him. That is likely why he was so devoted to his dogs, three in all through his adult life, all named Pat, because the dogs gave him affection and attention without ever needing anything from him in return. Due to his lack of connection with others around him, it's possible this led him to become more interested in finding connections through the spiritual world. Highly devoted to his faith, he would begin to note the spiritual world more and more in his diary as he aged. During the First World War, King would lose most of his family. His father, mother, brother, sister, and a close friend all died. This would begin his move towards the spiritual to make sense of the loss that impacted him. The loss of his mother was particularly difficult. He was on the campaign trail in 1917 was not by her bedside, something that would fill him with regret for much of his life. His closest friend, Violet Markham, would call the mother fixation of King a tragedy, and she would write she hesitated to, quote, hold Mrs. King responsible for the cult into which her son's love developed, but in the jargon of the psychiatrists, it is undeniable that the mother complex was a misfortune for Mackenzie King, end quote. Markham would blame this mother fixation for the fact that King never married. In 1916, King would write of visiting the grave of his sister and father in Toronto, quote, To me, the spiritual presence of both Bell and himself was far more real than their graves which my eyes were witnessing, end quote. King truly believed his family was watching over him, a belief that only increased when his mother died. He would regularly see coincidences as a sign of their presence, and he would interpret his dreams as messages from the beyond. This was highlighted when John Buchan, the Governor General of Canada, died suddenly in 1940. One week after Buchan's death on February 18, 1940, King would attend church and find significance in a hymn stated to be hymn 629. King felt that hymn, titled Recover with the Lord, was a direct message from Buchan. On the page were the words, Faints to reach the land I love, written to music. King would state in his diary, quote, If it were not in the book before my eyes, I could not believe that this could possibly be true. Clearly, it was to let me see that Buchan was sending me the message that his fainting had brought him into the bright inheritance of saints, which are lying just above. If one asked oneself how one friend could let another understand the significance of his death from the hereafter, using only the materials of the earth for the purpose, I wonder if so much could be placed in so small a place. End quote. 
Buchan had fainted while he was in the bathroom hitting his head, suffering a severe head trauma. King would then add up the numbers of 629, which came to 17, a number he felt had great significance in his life. There is some evidence that his interest in the occult came from Lady Aberdeen, wife of the Governor General in the 1890s. She would introduce him to mediums, who would then become a part of King's life. King would become intrigued as an adult and forecast of the future based on tea leaves and his own horoscope. He would consult a fortune teller throughout the 1920s named Rachel Blaney, who was based out of Kingston, Ontario. During a trip to London, he would meet Sir Oliver Lodge, and he would write about Lodge's comments on the ordering of human lives by spirit beings. When he was not Prime Minister, but serving in the opposition, he would also have more leisure time, and that led to more seances. Seances with paid mediums was common for a time for King. As a lifelong Presbyterian, he was not into spiritualism as a religion, but he believed in life after death and saw it as a fact because he believed he had communicated with the dead through mediums throughout his life. He would claim to have spoken with Sir Wilfrid Laurier, his deceased dogs, his grandfather, President Franklin Roosevelt, Leonardo da Vinci, and of course, his mother. After a seance in 1932 at the home of Mrs. Fulford in Brockville, who was the widow of a senator, King would write, quote, This is something too wonderful for words. It is all part of a divine leading, I believe. End quote. King's favorite medium during this time was Henrietta Wirt, and he would often travel to Detroit to have a seance with her. In 1933, he met Thomas Glenn Denning Hamilton, who was based out of Winnipeg. He would take part in seances there and discuss Hamilton's physical research experiments. Now it's important to give the distinction that King looked to the spiritual world for personal assurances rather than political advice. In many cases, he simply wanted to talk to those he loved, who had been taken from his life many years previous. Many of the mediums he worked with didn't even know he was a politician. In fact, Geraldine Cummins would describe in her book Unseen Adventures in 1951 that she held several seances for a British Commonwealth statesman. She did not know at the time, since his identity was concealed from her, that it was King. She would state she was impressed with him and his, quote, realistic and critical analysis of evidence presented by other psychic experiments, end quote. One of the few times that King did bring politics into his seance was when he asked if he would win the 1935 federal election. One can associate the residential school system with tuberculosis and tuberculosis with the residential school system. We had indigenous parents, communities, students, church employees, teachers, and individuals who are part of Indian Affairs like Dr. Peter Henderson Price giving their critiques in their own time. People hid when the tuberculosis screening came to their communities because they knew that the result of getting screened was that they, they could be taken away. I believe a lot of people were used, government officials who just thought they were doing the right thing. They were doing what they were told. First Nations, Métis and Inuit peoples are already told our story. It's now time to tell the other side of the story. We need to take a serious look at the parts of the system from the past that we may be replicating today. I'm Maya Foster Sanchez, and this is the story of a national crime. Coming this fall, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Helen Hughes, a medium from Glasgow, would sit with King as a medium for several years. Whenever he made trips to Britain, she would say in 1951, quote, It was if he had his mother living over here in Britain. What would any son do if he came here for business? He would look her up. He would want to see her and talk to her. He did not want advice about public affairs, for he knew more about them than she did. He wanted to know how she was. He wanted to talk to her about family matters, end quote. Hughes would go on to say, quote, He was warned at least three years before he died. His mother told him he was doing too much. His heart would not stand it. He took her advice in the end, but not soon enough. End quote. Interestingly, during a seance with Cummings, in which she apparently communicated with Roosevelt, he was told, quote, Don't retire. Stay on the job. Your country needs you there. End quote. Hughes would talk about how King would speak to his beloved dogs, including his Irish terrier, Pat, she said, quote, to him, Your sister is here, and she has a beautiful dog with her. The dog doesn't seem to have been very long over there, end quote. King would tell her that the night before Pat died, his watch fell off his bedside table for no reason, and he found it face down in the morning, stopped at 4.20 a.m. He would say, quote, I am not a psychic, but I knew then, as if a voice were speaking to me, that Pat would die before another 24 hours went by, end quote. According to King, that night his dog got out of his basket with his last effort, climbed onto the bed, and died. When King looked at his watch, it was 4.20 a.m. One night in early 1929, King awoke having nocturnal visions. He called his personal secretary and dictated his account. This document was then sent off to King's medium in Kingston for interpretation. She told him that honors would be coming to him and a trip to England was about to happen. She signed it, Your Most Sincere and True Spiritual Friend and Advisor. Mercy Fillimore, who was the secretary of the London Spiritual Alliance, also stated that King never sought spirit guidance in affairs of state. She would say, quote, Mr. King was an investigator. He did accept the spirit hypothesis, and he had the courage to say so, but he never ceased to be critical in appraising evidence. He was highly intelligent, with shrewd judgment, and to say he consulted mediums for advice in statecraft is preposterous and it's also outrageous, an insult to his memory, end quote. Often, King focused on his family and their connection to him from the beyond. He wrote in his diary, quote, In a vision last night, I saw my mother quite clearly dressed in a rather dark dress with her white hair over her shoulders. She seemed to be out in the open and looked quite happy. My father was near her, looking very well. I did not recall the rest of the vision, but it would seem to me it must have meant to make clear that they were near at hand and watching over me, end quote. King would also state that he would sense the presence of the dead himself, especially if he believed it to be a member of his family. During one year on his brother Max's birthday, he stated he felt the presence of his brother very strongly in different ways. During one trip to the home of Sir Wilfrid Laurier, who had passed on some years previous, he wrote about his journey to the home, stating, quote, While having a light, late dinner on the train about 9.30, I began to hear voices distantly singing, Hark, hark, my soul, angels' voices singing, and the particular words, angels of Jesus, angels of light, singing, Welcome to the Pilgrims of the Night. I had not been thinking of the hymn at all, and it seemed to come of its own accord. It was not until the word pilgrims was reached that I saw the relationship with the pilgrimage of that day. End quote. When his beloved terrier Pat passed away, one of the three, he would find instances of his dog in many places. At one point, he would mention that the long shafts of sunlight were shining on a cloud in the shape of Pat. He would write, quote, 
These things may seem imaginary and ridiculous, but I imagine that beyond our invisible hands weave for us manifestations of their continued presence, tenderness, and love. End quote. King always believed that his passed on dogs were around him through life. During a visit to the home of Tommy Whaling, he would write about Whaling's dog acting strange around him. He stated, quote, He walked some little distance from me as if he saw some object between me and him. He kept barking at it, wagging his tail, looking first here and then there, running about and coming back. Altogether, it was the exact performance of a dog who might have been seeing another animal which was keeping close to himself. He was very playful and never cross. I feel perfectly sure that in the psychic presence of some spirit, which I doubt not, was that of Little Pat. End quote. Based on his diary entries, his peak seance visiting period was when he was the leader of the official opposition from 1930 to 1935, during which time he took part in several seances. A common thread of these seances was King writing about having a good day following the seance, feeling peace and happiness. After a morning seance on October 17, 1933, King wrote, quote, As I drove to the station, I felt that I was very near to those I love, and they were very near to me. There was a feeling of reality from the invisible, which seemed to clothe me with a sense of power. The experience has been the most remarkable of all, majestic in its strides, convincing beyond all possibility of doubt of survival, of continuation of memory, and the understanding and significance of events and forces. End quote. He describes another seance on September 29, 1932, stating, quote, After dinner we had a sitting in which my dear father, Mr. Larkin and Sir Wilfrid Laurier appeared in the order named, with Alexander Mackenzie appearing in the background while Sir Wilfrid Laurier was speaking. End quote. The next day he had another seance describing it as such quote, We had a good hour from 11 to 12, and I wrote till 1. The ones to come to speak were Max and Mother, Isabel and Lady Laurier, and Sir Johnny MacDonald in the order indicated. The word Chester appeared, and we're told later Gladstone had been around. End quote. An hour later, he had another session stating that Wilfred Laurier once again appeared. He said, quote, It was a truly marvelous experience. Conditions were very good. I took down in pencil what was said, writing at a table as they spoke. End quote. In 1937, he was told in a seance that if the British Empire could help Germany through financial troubles, it would ensure goodwill and the prevention of war. The ghost was apparently Sir Henry Campbell Bannerman, who said, according to King, quote, England is the friend of all peace-loving countries. She will help Germany with her financial difficulties if she is assured of goodwill. End quote. During the Second World War, King rarely visited a medium, but he would return to it following the war. King related in one seance in 1947 that he encountered Hitler, and he told him that he should have taken his advice regarding avoiding war. King wrote, quote, When I said this, Hitler's lips turned black. End quote. When King was part of a seance where facts were deemed incorrect, he held no grudges to the apparent spirits he talked to. In 1938, for example, he was involved in a bitter feud with Mitchell Hepburn, the Premier of Ontario, and a spirit told him during a seance that Hepburn would pass away that night. In reality, Hepburn outlived King by three years. During a seance on December 18, 1938, King spoke with Sir Wilfrid Laurier who stated, quote, you have done a great service to Canada and the Liberal Party in exposing Hepburn for his nefarious deeds. God will guide you. End quote. One of the few times that King visited a medium during the war came in the summer of 1941, when King visited a Mrs. Tom Combe in New York. 
King had just received an honorary degree in the city and received a message from Mrs. Combe that she had had a vision of someone delivering to the door a newspaper with the picture of a man and a dog. King wrote in his diary, quote, The delivery was by an Indian boy whose body was illuminated by light. She saw an Indian chief and others holding their hands over a man's head, and finally the chief pointed to the swastika and having it shot to pieces by his slaves, who were assembled nearby. End quote. Mrs. Coombe identified the man in the newspaper as King, and she wrote to him immediately. The woman's address had 539 in it, which King remarked totaled 17. As I said, a number he always found significant. He also noticed that the hands on her clock were stopped at 5 to 11, with both hands together, which he saw as a sign of right action. He would write, quote, This was truly amazing, and a marvelous verification of the dream itself. End quote. Often, King would choose the date to leave on a trip based on if it was 7 or 10 days away, or if it was the 17th of the month. During the war, when he left for England, he left on August 17, 1941, and returned on September 7th. He felt those dates were better for his wartime mission. In October 1948, King was sick at the Dorchester Hotel, and he would receive several visitors, including King George VI and Winston Churchill. But two women also arrived and were shown into the suite immediately. Ushered through a side door, one of the women was the already mentioned Geraldine Cummins, as well as Beatrice Gibb. The interest in the occult was kept secret throughout King's life, and it was only after he died, when his diaries were published, that it became known. Those around him knew that he was a spiritualist, and some took part in seances, but outside of those people, the country was oblivious to the fact. It would only become nationwide news in 1951, when Maclean's published an article called The Secret Life of Mackenzie King, Spiritualist. Since then, King is often made fun of and mocked for his occult interest, but in reality, this was a man looking for understanding of why his family had passed away. He just wanted to speak with his family, to be with them again, and to know they were nearby. And I think we can all understand that. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. And I also want to thank all of my wonderful patrons. And I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Martin Strache, Sarah White, Tom McMillan, Mike Sullivan, Wendy Mills, Keelan Prignitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard T., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nixon Ree, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rois, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Biography, Canada Encyclopedia, Toronto Star, Maclean's, Library and Archives Canada, Wikipedia, Calgary Herald, Victoria Times Columnist, Ottawa Journal, Regina Leader Post, Kingston Week Standard, and the CBC.